And we're back with another episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. I'm your host, Jason. And I'm Amanda. And we're on part two of our series about our uh, our man, Cato, Cato mm. the Younger. Right. Just to catch everybody back up, just to say where we were. We were talking about Cato. He was a young boy. He was pretty uh, stubborn, and his tutor hung him out a window, and he was like, still not going to concede, and he wanted to stab whoever the tyrant that was ruling at the time. It was this guy named Sula who was doing all kinds of evil stuff. And and we were just talking about, you know, him and his early childhood because I had to kind of set the stage where Rome was at the time with all the wars and the, the genocide in Carthage, your favorite place. No, no. Yeah. So this episode's going to start out immediately with another genocide. So it's great. This is, this is what happens in history times. Uh, you go from one genocide just straight into the next genocide. So in around 88 BC, there was a dude named Mithridates. He was the king of... Asia Minor, but Asia Minor is Turkey, basically. It's modern-day Turkey. They called it Anatolia, but it's Turkey. He claimed to be descended from Alexander the Great. So this dude had Alexander the Great's cloak and was like, I'm a descendant of Alexander the Great. So he was a pretty badass dude, and he saw himself as like a rebirth. So he he hated Rome and wanted to reconquer all those lands for the Greeks or for the Turks that he was descended from. So he ordered a genocide of Romans in the territory, but it didn't tell anybody. So he sent out the secret orders to like kill everybody in the city on this one specific day. And when the day came, they killed 80,000 men, women, and children, Roman men, women, and children in their territory. <laughs> so these were all people that were living in Asia Minor. Yes, they were living in Asia Minor. They were supposed to be cool with Rome, and he really secretly hated them. And his plot to to get back Rome was to genocide them wow yeah and they killed eighty thousand people in a day and then they also took like two hundred and twenty thousand slaves so it was yeah it was a really fucking bad day and as you can imagine this royally pissed off rome mm. and mithridates would go on to be a thorn in uh rome's side for a while they it's gonna take them a while to get him back but they will so just remember him he's the genocide guy <laughs> the other genocide guy so like at this time cato was like eight but he heard, he knew about the genocide, so he started studying law because his argument was like, if we could convince this dude that like via words and not violence, then like it would be way better. And so uh, he was he was doing playing games with his friends, basically playing lawyer. That's what he was doing when he was like eight. <laughs> wow, which is kind of hard to imagine, but you know that's that's how he was. He also he he liked that Mithridates was anti-imperial. Because he was anti-imperial. He's a very conservative young kid. So he liked that, but he didn't like the violence. So he figured law would be the way to be anti-imperial without being violent. Which is kind of cool. It's still true. Yeah. Too. Yeah, if you think about it, yeah. like, finding a way to be anti-imperial without being violent is the law. That's what the law is. But my question is, what kind of eight-year-old thinks like that? I, <laughs> Cato does. He's a... You'll <laughs> learn. He's a really weird kid. So once he was, like, 14... He participated in this thing called the Troy game, which was this crazy game they did where they would ride horses and weave in and out in these ridiculous patterns. And they alleged that they were the training drills that the Trojans did, but they really weren't. They were relatively modern, but it was just nice to give the name to Troy because Troy was like well honored. So during the Troy game, Sula saw Cato leading one of the, the things and was like, this kid knows his shit. This 14-year-old is really good at riding horses in patterns. So Sula took a shine to him and adopted him because by this point, Cato was an orphan. So Sula, this this brutal king, 
adopts Cato. And this is the guy that Cato wanted dead as a kid. Yes, he still wants him dead. Yeah. And his tutor has to search him for weapons every day to go <laughs> to go meet with Sula. Because he's like, you totally said you were going to kill this guy. And he's like, yeah, I hate imperialism. Yeah, he's terrible. But he's your adoptive father yeah. now. Uh. And, and Sula thought it was funny. He's just like, this kid, he's a crazy kid. Like, yeah, he's always just coming at me with yeah. those knives and uh-huh. forks. Sula thought it was funny and <laughs> decided to like teach him. So he learned, like, Sula, although he was violent and Cato disagreed with all that and all the, the fact that he took power by force, he was a very conservative leader. He was one of those, he was very Trumpian in this, like, only I can fix it and I can set it up so you guys will never have a tyrant again. Like, if you just make me a tyrant now, I'll make sure there's no tyrants later. Which is a scam that conservatives have been running for a long fucking time, obviously. Yeah, still. <laughs> it's still a scam that Donald Trump tried to run. Only I can fix it. If you just let me be a tyrant, you won't have tyrants later. It's a, it's a repetitive argument, and that's the one Sula uses. Cato doesn't like that. He's like, nah, we could do it not by being a tyrant. So, But he does learn the conservative politics. So he's now had an education in a lot of things, because after that... I told you in last week's episode, he goes at 16 and studies with the Sibylline Oracles and learns a lot about religion from these high-ass Greek people. Yeah. <laughs> so now he'd become really, he's now 16, 17 years old, and he's become really good at law, rhetoric, military command, stoic philosophy, and conservative politics at a 16-year-old, which means he's pretty, he's pretty based, as the kids would say, uh, as far as being educated and knowing a lot of really important skills mm. that will basically go serve him his entire life. He got it all done by the time he was 16, which is pretty impressive. At this point, I think it's good to talk about like what Stoicism is a little bit, just so you know. A little background on it. It was a Greek branch of philosophy that Rome essentially turned into a religion. So the Stoics were, they viewed the world as having two kinds of people, either sages or fools. And everyone's pretty much a fool, even the Stoics. The Stoics are just fools who acknowledge they want to be sages. Most people aren't even smart enough to do that, according to the, to the Stoic philosophy. They, they saw eternal virtue as being like the only thing that mattered. So if I'm virtuous and I'm happy, the outside world can't hurt me. They didn't they didn't have a problem with cold or hot or they were very much known for being able to withstand lots of pain and outside influences not bothering them because they thought that was all that there was necessary for happiness. In fact, their their slogan basically was virtue is sufficient for happiness. So as long as you're good enough, you're just always sort of happy, which is an interesting way to look at things. Uh-huh. <laughs> so who, who, who was a stoic? Cato was. Oh, okay. He was very, very much into Stoicism. Although he will go against a lot of it, he he represents it. He's considered to be like an ideal Stoic, even though he kind of isn't, which is really funny. Do you think that was his way of handling the fact that his adoptive father was a POS? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. I also think that the other reason that he became Stoic was because he didn't... His conservative politics led him to a place where he believed that anything, any excess that... that maybe an empire would have was bad. And so stoicism fits perfectly with that. Like you don't need shoes because your feet are fine type of deal. So he had this, it was a way for him to rebel against the imperialism that he always hated. And it was, it was, it was a Greek philosophy, but he, it became religious when Rome got a hold of it. This is what happens a lot with Greek things. Like they were like branches of philosophy and the Romans were like, no, this is, this is clearly the word of God. 
So Roman's got to take things in a very American angle and go and like, oh, you guys thought about this in ancient Greece. Well, clearly that's divinely inspired, which will happen throughout the entire Middle Ages where we mistake Greek thought for divinely inspired writing. It's a chronic condition. Yeah, it's something that we just sort of do <laughs> yeah. if you think about it. They also, the Stoics also thought that like living according to nature was the best thing you could do. You needed to live according to nature. And they thought logic was created by nature. So therefore, living by logic was living by nature, and so the best thing you could do. Hmm. So th th that was their reasoning for believing like logic was the most important thing because it was natural. It came from nature and not from humans, which is interesting. A lot of people believe that about math in modern times. You'll hear a lot of mathematicians and stuff and astrophysicists say, like, math is perfect, and it, does, it exists outside of our understanding of it, which is kind of cool. It makes it seem a little divine. And I think he had that view about logic, which at the time, logic and math weren't even that separate. So it's kind of another interesting through line that runs from all the way back then into modern times. It probably also helped to keep him chill when he was trying to, you know, off his, <laughs> his dad, off his adopted father. Yeah, and his tutor's like, I got to make sure this kid doesn't have fucking weapons on him. He's constantly talking about killing this but guy. But it's just funny that he's like, oh, he's such a jokester. Yeah, every, that kid, every morning I come down and he shoves me down the stairs yeah. you know he's such a kidder yeah that, that, he's got real spunk that kato i like his i like his spunk yeah yeah it's hilarious but that's how it worked so the next thing that happens kato's gotten all into stoicism and he needs to do his first military service now he's a little bit older than other people he's like 18 and at the time you're like you do your first military command when you're 16 which is <laughs> can insane you, can you imagine so his first you may recognize who he fights first because his first military service was fighting against Spartacus, the rebel slave. So Spartacus had been a slave and a gladiator, and he formed a rebel army, and they rebelled against Rome. And they were actually kicking the shit out of Rome. They were doing kind of what America did during the Revolutionary War. They're, like, doing these small skirmishes and taunting the Romans and not facing them head on, and it's fucking them up. So... Cato goes, and he actually loses the first two battles that he fought against Spartacus, but he does a lot of damage to Spartacus, enough to where Spartacus is then captured and killed. So soldiers loved Cato, though, because during his time, he never wore shoes, he never rode a horse, so he walked everywhere, barefoot. He would wear less clothes, he wouldn't wear his tunic, and he would eat last and drink last, he would sleep last and wake up first. So he was like... The penultimate soldier. Like all the everyone was like, this dude is hardcore and he's our leader. Mm. So everyone loved him. They said like he would they said when they would get to a drinking hole, he would literally wait until the last person drank and they started marching again before he would take his. Mm. Which is pretty badass. And he was in charge. And he's the boss. Wow. Can you imagine? Sounds like a good boss. Yeah, see, that was a stoic thing. Uh. And he he lived it out. And so then when, when he got back, they wanted to give him military honors for doing good because he did fuck Spartacus up. And he refused him because he was like, no, I lost. Why would I take any military honors? Hmm. I didn't do anything honorable except lose. So he refused his military honors, which is another stoic thing and kind of badass. And also at the time, he may have stopped by... Uh, and helped Pompey the Great, who was battling Mithridates at this time. Oh, that guy! Yeah, he may have he may have stopped <laughs> that and helped hell bent on genocide. Guy. Yeah, he may have stopped and helped Pompey fight him for a little while, but we're not sure about that. It's kind of one of those 
he may or may not have. It's written in some histories that he did. Mm. So I don't know. But it totally moved him up in the political system. Like, all these things, although he refused the military honors, all made him look really, really good in politics. So he he becomes, like, hailed as a hero, and he gets a triumph. A triumph was where they would essentially allow you to be king for a day in the city, and you it was the only time you could bring soldiers into the city. And it was like a military parade, and they had you basically worship like a god for a day and uh he got one of those that was the first one he gets for for all this hmm. and he took that which is you know kind of an interesting thing but then he finds out his his uh half brother who he was like really close to had gotten sick and died uh fighting against Smithridates. and so it's weird because when his half brother dies Cato does the most unstoic thing in the world he breaks down he's crying all the time he has this huge lavish funeral for his brother and is like burning expensive clothes and wasting like he's buying expensive shit and burning it hmm. because he's mad about his brother and he's stricken with grief. He also starts drinking a lot. Uh-oh. So he's like in his cups all the time. Hmm. And he would argue that it was still stoic because the only time people ever really discuss politics is when they're drinking. So he's like I have to drink to discuss politics. So it's still stoic. But really, a lot of people were like, nah, he just liked to get fucking drunk. Yeah, you're uh, burying your feelings. Yeah, he definitely was burying <laughs> his feelings. So that's a really interesting, like, sort of, he, he it's him doing something very stoic and then immediately after doing something the complete opposite. That's kind of the thing with Cato. He's a, he's a mixed bag. But it is interesting how he was barefoot and everything. It's pretty hardcore. Yeah, his feet must have been gnarly. Uh Uh-huh, his feet must have been gnarly. And even when he came back to Rome, he refused to wear shoes. Everyone's like, dude, you're a senator now. Like, he's like, yeah, but fuck shoes. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you would step in all kinds of stuff. Uh Uh-huh, he didn't care. He was like, it makes me stronger. I guess. He was was a shit monster. (laughs) So when he gets back to Rome, there's a conspiracy that gets developed. This dude named Lucius Sergius Catalina... Or he gets known as Catiline. Everybody calls him Catiline. Catiline was the leader of the conspiracy. Catiline was like a populares, which was the the lefties of the time. Uh, the rights were called the, the optimieties. Mm-hmm. Populares means like popular people, and optimieties means best people, which is kind of funny. So they're like, we have the left and the best people, which is... <laughs> Our naming, well, you know, if you listen to Fox these days, yeah. that, would, that would also be what they say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, their naming conventions were pretty modern, too, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, he wanted to steal power from the Optimites. So he was he was like, yeah, I'm going to start this conspiracy. He wanted to kill a bunch of senators. Well, there was this really, really famous senator who's a historian who most of his writings survived. So he's a very famous Roman named Cicero. You may have heard of this guy before. Name rings a bell. Yeah, Cicero was a pretty important guy because most of the writing we have about this time was him. And he was he was really a big popular guy. He finds out about the conspiracy and he brings the conspirators before the Senate and is like, let's just execute these dudes without a trial. I mean, why even have a trial? Because, I mean, they're trying to kill all of us. And Julius Caesar was there. Because Julius Caesar was a senator. Uh-huh. And so Julius Caesar is like, nah, we can't just kill unarmed civilians without a trial because Caesar was also a populares. Mm. So Caesar's like, nah, we should just imprison them because, you know, that's fucked up. We can imprison them without a trial, but we can't kill them. Cato was like, no, 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 no. He went against Caesar because Cato and Caesar did not like each other. Cato was the leader of the, the opposite party. So Cato's like, no, 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 Caesar. We need to kill these motherfuckers. And if we don't, y'all all be dead next year and he won't even have a chance to be a senator again. Which was a pretty compelling argument and it got a lot of people 
in a big heated argument. And while the argument's breaking out, people start getting violent and throwing rocks. And Catiline runs the fuck away. What? He, he bitches out. Catiline just dips in the middle of the melee caused by Julius Caesar and Cato arguing. And he just, he just dipped. The Romans eventually called him and killed him. Because, you know, now he ran away. So now you could definitely kill him. But it's pretty funny because it's like, wow. You guys were arguing over politics so hard the dude just runs away. That you you didn't notice that he wasn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Caesar kept gaining power after this point because being a popular populist, he's gaining a lot of influence. And Cato's also is uh improving his reputation, and the two guys scrapped for a while. They were proposing land reform and arguing about it. There was a lot of things happening. This is where Cato basically invents the filibuster. He starts using the Roman calendar the way they they work, the, like the arcane rules of the Senate to block things that Caesar wants to do, and Caesar doesn't see it coming. So there's a lot of modern-type politics going on of just... Well, at this point, is Cato a senator? Yes. Okay. He's a senator, but he's also like... he's. It's weird. Senators were like... If you were a certain rank and above, and they were elected by the people... And then they would appoint other positions. So he was a military commander because he was appointed it, which was his title of praetor. But he was also a senator because of being elected by the people. So he's both, which is why it's kind of confusing. I see. And Mm -hmm. so he's an opposites with With Caesar. Caesar. Yeah, him and Julius Caesar hate each other. And Mm -hmm. they're they're just doing this this sort of political thing. One time, even Cato comes from uh, Caesar's left. And uh, decides that, like, he wants to propose better, better grain dole laws. The grain dole was like welfare. It was like the state gives you free food. And Cato was like, proposes this bill that gets, that gets uh, passed through. Like, it's a political stunt, but it works. And it makes people like him even more. And he, it's funny because he came from Caesar's left, which is an interesting thing that we also see in modern politics, where if you hate somebody so much, sometimes coming from their left flank or right flank is the way to do it because they will never see it coming. Right, and you will win some favor in the mm-hmm. process. Yeah. It was a pretty modern way of looking at things if you think about it. We, we still exactly do that. Yeah. So now it's time for one of the side stories I have. This story, <laughs> this story, uh, it involves Cato a little bit, but it's kind of a side story, but I, I got a name for it. The title is uh, Publius the Drag Queen. Publius. Publius, yeah, your, your pal Publius I know here. that guy. So... In uh, 58 BC, there's this dude named Publius Claudius Polker, okay? Now, he's going to go by Clodius. Well, that's what we're going to call him from now on, because Claudius was the, was the like, fancy Roman pronunciation of it. He wanted to be a man of the people, so he changed it to the way the plebs pronounced it and said Clodius. And so he goes down in history known as Clodius. And because, as you mentioned, there's infinity people named Publius, we're not going to use that name. So he's like Jenny from the block. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Jenny from the block. He's just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to low class my yeah, name. I'm just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Jenny from the block. So remember, Clodius I, yes, from the block. I, yes, Clodius from the block. So remember, the Claudius family was a huge Roman family. They were very, very important. You hear about tons of Claudiuses in Roman history. And, that, and they're all the same fucking family. So he's from them. But... He gets voted as a tribune of the plebs because he renounces he renounces his his royalty, his nobleness. He's like, I am not noble, and he changes his name. I'm a pleb. And so they, of course, are like, this dude's the best pleb. They nominate him tribune. If you remember, the, the, the poor people got a tribune, and the tribune had rival power to the Senate. He had veto power. So 
he this dude's now very high up even though he didn't do any of the normal stuff and at the time it was like 58 bc caesar was the what was called the pontifex that was his official title which was the uh religious leader essentially of rome he was a senator a religious leader it's complicated they got a lot of titles like i said and uh his wife was hosting this thing called the rites of uh bonadia bonadia rites were where it was all women and they would get together and do these mystery ceremonies that were supposed to bring power from uh, the, the female goddesses and men were not allowed to know what they did and not allowed to be there. Hmm. So because Caesar was the pontifex, his wife was the one hosting the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And at this ceremony, they had these people called the Vestal Virgins who were like these old badass nuns that did these weird sex things. Back in Roman times, wait, 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 wait. yeah, what they were, they were, they were kind of like nuns, but they were more sexually oriented. They had like sexual ceremonies, but men weren't allowed to know about them. So this is all chicks, mm-hmm, all women getting together, mm-hmm. doing nunnery sex things. Uh huh. But but they were virgins as far as because they never had sex with men. Uh huh. And so they were considered to be like holy. Now Clodius decides to dress up in drag and sneak into the ceremony which is supposed to be off limits to men. Mm. He, he, his plan is to get in there and to seduce Caesar's wife because that's how Clodius thinks of himself. Well, he's kind of conniving anyway. I mean, yeah. the way he weaseled, it in, weaseled into the uh-huh. the poor folks, he's like, oh, I'll just uh, put on these, these rags here yeah. and be like, uh, yes, hello, I'm... I'm a lady. I am, I'm here am, for the lady ceremony. I am poor. Yeah. And then he puts on a dress and he's like, uh, I'm a lady. I'm a chick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he gets in and, and they didn't notice. I know he gets in and then he gets caught when oh. his baritone voice reveals. Him. Yeah. He's like, hello. hello. And they're like, wait a minute. So <laughs> I'm Claudette. <laughs> yeah. That was the name he used. Claudette. Really? Yes. <laughs> It's like I knew. Yeah, it's like you knew, but you didn't, which is really <laughs> I didn't. funny. I had no idea. So at the time, there was this guy named Crassus, who I'm going to call the Jeff Bezos of the time because he was just the richest dude. <laughs> he didn't really have any power, but Crassus was the richest dude. So he's Jeff Bezos of ancient Rome. <laughs> okay. He bribed all the jury. So Clodius was acquitted at his trial because Jeff Bezos bailed him out. Wait, so he... That was illegal for him to do that? Oh, yeah. It was super illegal. Oh. And he gets caught, and they have a trial, and Jeff Bezos, Crassus, bails him out by bribing the entire jury. (laughs) But why? Because he loved Clodius. He thought Clodius was the shit. Oh, I see. And so he was like, that's hilarious, and also he hated Caesar. Mm. So what's really funny about that, too, is Caesar now has to divorce his wife. And there's a famous saying that comes down from history that's Caesar's wife must be above suspicion. And that's the reason he has to divorce her. Not because she did anything, but because she could have. Oh. Yeah. Just the implication that he thought he could seduce her was enough. What? Yeah. That's messed up. Uh, It is messed up. So Caesar divorces his wife. But she didn't do anything. Yeah, I know. And it causes mad beef between Clodius and Caesar, as you can imagine. Yeah. So Clodius goes on to be like a rabble rouser. He's like a member of the party scene in Rome. He's like a club kid, like doing drugs, banging dudes, banging chicks, and just being kind of a a thorn in everybody's side. He wore drag a few times. He was popular as hell. Oh, so he was like, you know what? I was kind of into that. Yeah, he was popular (laughs) as hell with the people, but the Optimites, Cato, Caesar, and the, the whole Senate hated him. So he managed to get both political parties to hate him, but all the people love him. Hmm. So that's our that's our that's our Publius. Wow. He's, uh, 
Clodius is an interesting guy. Cato didn't like him, but a lot of his beef was with Caesar, and so that was kind of a side story, but I felt like it was a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah, that happened. Can you imagine having to divorce your wife because some guy... Uh, like, said maybe he could sleep with her? Yeah, said, like, I'm going to try to do this. And even though it wasn't successful, he still have to divorce her because there was a chance that it might have worked even though it didn't. Yeah. Wild, huh? Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. So the next thing that happens is this guy, Pompey the Great, that we've talked about, he gets sent all over the place and he just kicks ass and takes names. He's killing pirates. He's killing Germans. He's killing Spanish. He's just taking shit all over the place. Like, that's the reason he's Pompey the Great. And he was young when he did it. He, he couldn't even grow a beard when he got his first triumph, hmm. which is something that gets said about him a lot. So he was a young guy, but he was being a badass at fighting. He eventually does defeat Mithridates and recolonizes the whole East for Rome, which is basically makes them rich as shit. Well, yeah, he got rid of that genocide. Yes, fucker. he did. <laughs> and there was this weird law that cocks everything up, though. So... If Pompey wants to run for office, he has to show back up in Rome at a, by a certain date. But if he walks past the magic boundaries of Rome, he forfeits his military rule. Because once you go back into the city, it, you, you drop all military things. So if he does that, he can't get his triumph. And it takes a while to plan a triumph. So what Cato does to fuck over him is basically shorten the date that he has to come back. So he has to pick one or the other. You either get your triumph or you get to come run for office. Well, Pompey had friends in the city tried to change the law, but Cato was having none of that shit and shut them all down. And he's like, nah, we never did it like this, nah. So Pompey chooses the triumph and has to wait another year to run for office, which in the end probably was a bad idea, but... Did Cato not like him? Cato, Cato has a frenemy relationship with Pompey. And the thing is, what Pompey was doing at that time was pissing Cato off because he was essentially siding with Caesar on a lot of shit. Mm. And so at the time, he didn't like him. But they have a frenemy. They go back and forth. Pompey is weird and doesn't hold it against Cato and offers Cato his daughter to marry as like a peace agreement to, like re to unite their families. And Cato straight up refuses him and says, you can't get to me through the women's rooms. Oh. Which is a hardcore fucking way to say no. Wow. So Pompey just like, all so right. So did he offer up his son instead? No, he was what? like, all right, you know what? Fine. And he goes and makes the same deal to Caesar and Caesar accepts it because he just divorced his wife. Yeah, he's like, yeah, awesome. But yeah, my wife just almost slept with a dude or he tried to sleep with her, so I need a new one. Yeah. So now Pompey and Caesar become aligned, which gives Cato all the reason he ever needed. Yeah, to now not, he really doesn't like him. To not like him, yeah. Now we get our second side story. This one's shorter, but it's called Shithole Country. So around this time period, Cicero wrote a letter about Cato, where he says, and I'm going to read it in Latin because it's kind of funny, Desit enum tanquam en Plutonius politica non tanquam es Romula feces sententia. Hmm. Now, if you got any of those words, feces was in there, right? Oh, yeah, it was. So in English, that means he was talking about Cato. In English, it means he talks like he is living in Plato's Republic, not in Romulus's shithole. Hmm. 
Oh. So <laughs> Cicero. So Cicero's just straight up like, this dude is acting like he's in the Plato's Republic, but Rome is a shithole. Mm. So I call that shithole gate of the BCs, and I feel like it does- <laughs> Shithole gate of the BCs. Yeah. So it does kind of line up with modern times. We have another, <laughs> we have a politician saying shithole, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty funny. Well, he's not just a politician. He's the- He's the writer downer. Yeah. He's the documenter of, yeah, he's the, of guy. the time. He's the guy. So this is where Caesar goes and appoints himself to go to do battle in Spain. And he beats up a bunch of pirates and Spaniards and whatnot. And he ends up facing the same pickle that Pompey had with, the, with running for office or choosing the triumph. But Caesar does the opposite and chooses the office route. He's like, fuck it. I'll get more triumphs. I'm really good at fighting. So he goes back. And once he's back in the Senate, he immediately goes back to fighting with Cato. So, like, they pick up right where they left off. Caesar passed a land bill that Cato, Cato almost got killed opposing. Another time when violence broke out at the Forum, and they, like, hitting him with rocks and shit. Right, because they weren't allowed to have their weapons. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so they were, like, throwing rocks at him. And he gets pelted by rocks. And they literally, like, he's trying to obstruct this bill that will give poor people more land. He's doing the Republican obstructionist thing. And the people don't like it and <laughs> pelts him with rocks and he almost dies. Mm-hmm. But he's willing to do it because he's Cato. This is when Caesar decides to send himself to Gaul. At the time, Gaul was what we would now call modern France, Belgium, Germany, Switzerland, and parts of northern Italy. Gaul was a pretty big place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like France, Germany, Belgium, Switzerland, that whole area. It was Gaul. And they were like... A pretty big thorn in Rome's side for a really, really long time. So Caesar's like, I'm going to go there and finally deal with this shit. And Caesar goes there and he's going and getting winning like a champ. He can't stop. He can't stop winning. So he's getting rich as fuck. And this gives Clodius, who's now kind of got some power because Caesar's gone. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to make my move against Cato. <laughs> oh, no. So he nominates Cato to go to this place called Cyprus. Cyprus is an island off of the coast of Africa. It's uh was at the time run by the brother of the person who ran Egypt. And they they got by by paying Rome. The only reason they weren't conquered was cuz Rome they had been paying Rome, but like Rome was like the mafia and you never can really pay them enough. Mm. And so Clodius convinces people like, "Hey, these this Egyptian and Cyprus dude are paying enough. We should I know who we should send to deal with this. We should send Cato cuz mm. he knows it's going to take a little while." And so he sends Cato with no army. He's like, you got to go by yourself. And, and what, negotiate? And tell this king that we're taking his shit if he doesn't pay us more. Good luck, Cato. <laughs> and so that was Clodius's like power play. And it works pretty fucking well because he gets Cato out for a while. And uh, that's kind of where I think we should leave it for this week because... We'll pick up next week what happens when Cato goes to Cyprus. So Cato's in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. Caesar's in Gaul. And Gaul just, and just kicking ass and taking Claude names. And Clodius is, is kind like, of running things. <laughs> yeah. I've got the city to myself. Yes. And at this time, Pompey was back. But Pompey was no politician. He was a, he was a military dude. He kind of mm-hmm. sucked at politics. Honestly, he flip-flops all the time. He's the biggest flip-flopper I've ever seen. He lies with anyone who will just do it. And it's like, you can't just accept alliances from whoever offers it. That Then you're not really doing anything. Right. But that's how we roll. So that's where we're going to kind of leave it for this week. I think it's a really interesting place to leave it. I think there were some funny things that lined up with modern times, like the shithole countries. Mm-hmm. And we got a drag queen and we got... 
I mean, it's pretty crazy, right? Yeah. Did you did you have any idea that any of this shit was going on? No, I had no idea. It's pretty wild, huh? I'm curious how it goes for Cato down in Cyprus with no shoes and no army. Yeah, well, I will. I'm telling you, it's going to be interesting, and uh, that we should be able to finish the story next week after what happens with him down in Cyprus and what goes on after that. Uh, we should be able to finish the story, and then uh, we'll be done talking about our pal Cato, but I feel like he's, he's lived an interesting life as hell so far. It's a pretty funny and crazy story. Mm-hmm. Um, thank everybody for listening. I, I love you guys. And tune in next week where we find out what happens in the adventures of Cato. Bye.